You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Team Guru Podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Frizzell, and this episode is certainly one for the times in which we live. The work from home revolution, it's here, and perhaps the one lingering gift COVID will leave behind. But the question millions of leaders are grappling with around the world, how do you lead a happy, healthy, effective and successful distributed team? It's not easy, as so many of us have discovered over the past few years. But as always, we're here with some fabulous insights and tips that you can start to implement today. My guest is Joe Alilovich. She's an employment lawyer, the leader of a fully distributed team and the author of a fabulous new book, Home Force, Building a Connected, Engaged Home-Based Team. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Joe Alilovich. Joe Alilovich, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Pleasure to have you. A pleasure to be chatting with someone over in Perth. It's lovely to see the sun shining out your window behind you as I'm sitting here in the dark in Brisbane, just that <laughs> beautiful little window where we're living in totally different worlds. Hey, Joe, you've written a fabulous book. It's called Home Force, Building a Connected, Engaged, Home-Based Team. What a book for the times. I really enjoyed reading it because it took me down memory lane a little bit of all those things that we've been through over the last few years with the C word. We've gone through an incredible experience. I've said many times here on the Team Guru podcast, you know the way organizations work and how hard we make things and how over-engineered a lot of things are. If you said to any large organization, hey, in six months' time, 80% of your workforce need to be able to work from home, go. Can you imagine the number of meetings and PowerPoint presentations and the change management around that? that we would agonize over, we would over-engineer and stumble over. And yet, in March 2020, we all just did it out of pure necessity. Your book took me down memory lane a little bit. I absolutely agree. I think there's nothing like a crisis to bring people together and to get people to take action as fast as they possibly can. You know, it brings out the best in people and the worst, unfortunately. But I think we saw some, some really great results for the way that everybody handled themselves especially in those early days when the pandemic started. All right. Now, you are the guru of this. You are a lawyer by education and training and by profession, but you also run a totally home-based workforce, which I'm really fascinated with. And that has come out in your book really nicely, and it will come out in our conversation. But what our listeners are going to most love, Joe, is your six-part framework for helping us run a really effective and efficient, happy, healthy, distributed workforce. So we're going to talk through that in a little while. We'll sneak up on it first, though. And you also do a really beautiful job. I love your pyramid, which is on page seven of your book, which takes us from the bottom of the period, which is co-located, where you all work in the same place. We've all done that. Right up to the top, where there's the fully distributed home force, and there's all steps in between. 
I loved that. There was no term there that was brand new to me, but I really enjoyed seeing it put so articulately. And sometimes that's the power of books like yours. It's to take little bits of information that we've all experienced and put it together in one really succinct package and help me to put words around it and wrap my tiny little brain around it. So I loved that about it. So we'll get to that as well. But can you tell me something new? We've all talked about it. We've all lived it. We all experienced that moment when someone from our organization contacted us and said, don't come in tomorrow. You're working from home for the foreseeable future. We all went through that. We've went through trying to get a new computer chair or a new monitor from the local shops and couldn't get one. We all experienced that. We all experienced the conversations where we sort of said to our friends and colleagues, hey, isn't this great? I can take the kids to school more often. I'm home when my kids get home from school. I can go down for 10 minutes and say, hello, I feel so connected to them. Hey, I can fit a run in at lunchtime and all of those great things. So we've, we all know that. We've all experienced that. Tell me something new. Has it evolved beyond that? Has, has our journey through this period evolved to the next stage beyond those early awakenings? I think the stage that we're in now is the awkward stage. You know how we find it with everything. We have massive swings in one direction and then we need to find the new stable ground about where we're going to find a, a happy medium for you know ourselves and our businesses. And I think that's where the majority of people are and that's why we've seen these great phrases like the great resignation, although it didn't really hit Australia. And, you know, we've seen a lot of employers now saying everybody come back to work and, you know, the media sometimes are saying how wonderful it is to come back to work. And on the other hand, they're giving reports about all the employees who don't want to come back to work. So we're very much in a stage of flux, I think, as everybody decides, okay, we had the last two years. We saw that, you know, generally speaking, work from home can work for a business and for an individual what does that mean for our future? Are we going to keep doing it? Are we going to do some form of it? Are we going to do none of it because we hated it? You know, where do we sit now in this stage where we're at? So you touched on it there. We know a lot of them, the benefits of working from home or working in a distributed way, working remotely, and we'll get to those terms soon. But we know the benefits. I know the benefits and what they were in my life. And I also know the frustrations. I felt some of that can you take us through some of the obvious ones, remind us of the obvious ones, and some of the deeper benefits that you've uncovered through your research at both the individual side and the business side? What are the benefits for both parties in this, obvious and not so obvious? Oh, some straight up ones, you know, benefits, you don't have to travel to work. So that's a, a benefit. And often the benefit is also the flip side is the is the negative. So a lot of people have said, it's great. I don't have to spend half an hour on a train. I don't have to spend money. So I'm saving money financially by not having to pay transport and parking, you know, and I probably don't go into the city. So I'm, you know, for example, so I'm not spending money on buying lunches or coffees. I'm, I'm just at home. The flip side, of course, is, you know, that you're not using that a bit of time to perhaps decompress on the way home or get yourself wired up, ready for work. So, you know, they swing and roundabout. But the benefit for a lot of people was exactly as you said, you know, I'm getting time back. So I'm getting that time and I can choose how I want to spend it. Is that taking my kids to school? Is it exercising? Is it doing some hobby that I haven't been able to touch for the last few years? And a lot of people have also rethought 
what their day looks like. So they've been able to sort of say, I don't have to stick to this office hours. I've got a little bit more flexibility on the time of the day that I work as well, which means that they can adjust to, you know, fit in with their their home lifestyle more than they could in the past. For employers, I think the benefit in this is always that you have employees, hopefully, if this is what they want, then they are happier and they're going to be more well and, you know, more appreciative towards their employer, more likely to be loyal, stick around, reduce the turnover. You know, that's the idea. And there are studies to say that, you know, employees who are working from home are more productive and hopefully not because they're sitting longer in front of their desk and computer doing more hours. It's just that they're getting their stuff done. You could write a long list of the pros and cons, couldn't you, on both sides? And I don't know if you mentioned it then for the from the business, and we're seeing some of the large private sector organisations just take the opportunity to reduce their footprint in office space in yes. CBDs, and that's a huge cost saving for them. And it makes perfect sense. One of the early things that people started saying during COVID when we we're all working from home full time was we're never going to go back to the old way. Now that we've tasted this, even if we don't stay here at home forever, we're never going back to the way it was where we all got in our car or in the bus at the same time, Monday to Friday, fought our way to work to yep. stagger into our desk and sit there at a desk a lot of the time for the whole day and then all leave the CBD at the same time to fight the rat race home. It was crazy. When you think back to those times, it was crazy. And the early wisdom in the pandemic was we would never go back to that. And we're finding, and we're working out what it is that we're going back to then. If we're not going back to that, we're going back to something that's different, but we've got to articulate it and define it. And like I said, you could you could create a whole really long list for both yes. the employer and the employee of the pros and cons. They're different for everybody. A lot of them we've covered here and a lot of them listeners will know about. But I guess what's really important is we have to get to what is the future. If we never go back to the way things were pre-2020, what does the future look like? And this is where your hierarchy or your mm. your order in the pyramid, um, I'm trying to think of the correct term. The um, journey. The journey. It's not the word I was looking for. I'm looking for <laughs> an amazing word. It's a... <laughs> something of needs. What's Maslow's hierarchy? Mas- it's a hierarchy, hierarchy. of needs. That's exactly. what it's like. It's set up that way. Your hierarchy, which goes, like I said, from co-located all the way up to fully distributed, but there's also your six-part framework. So if we're working out as leaders how we can do this next phase really well, the post-COVID phase, what's new and, and the new reality that we're going to work in, what do you suggest, Joe? Should we talk about the hierarchy first and then the framework or the other way around? How do you reckon we should approach this? Well, I think nicely the, the framework kind of, the hierarchy sits really nicely with the first part of the framework. Great. So the two kind of work together. Tell us all about it, Joe. You start right. talking and I will interrupt you with a whole bunch of ill-informed questions. <laughs> I'm sure they won't be anything like that. So I, you know, it's nice. I love acronyms. So of course I had to find one for my six-step framework. So I came up with remote, pretty obvious, and but it fits so beautifully. So the first step in this process is remembering your vision. And, you know, obviously to remember it, you've got to know what it is to start with. So really that's where you start, is working out what it is you're trying to achieve. And I think that's where that that beautiful hierarchy comes in. Because as you said, it starts there sort of saying, well, where do I want to be? On you know in the future in terms of 
an office and a workplace and a, and a style of operating. So do you want to be where we have been for so long, which I depict at the bottom of a triangle, as co-located? You know, we all go to that one place um, and we all sit in together every day. Or, you know, you could move up. And we've had work from home, as we all know, for 50-odd years or before that. You know, there's always been some version of work from home. And what was really common was this idea of just ad hoc. Oh, I, I'm going to work from home today because okay. I Tell's really just need. coming. Yeah, tells just coming. Or I really need to concentrate on this really big piece of work that I've got to do and I just need to be away from everybody and the phones and everything else. Yeah. So we've all experienced that. So that's kind of what I say as second step, you know. And so, then And you call that ad hoc work from home. And I like what you said in your book about that. There was always this kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. She's working from home today. And we'd all knowingly nod and go, okay, well, I probably won't be able to get her today then. And I'll just wait for her to be back in the office tomorrow. That was the vibe that exists around work from home. Even though I'm sure that wasn't always the case, it did have that very serious negative connotation. It did. And that's one of the things that made working from home during the pandemic so negative because as I was just talking to someone about recently, so many people when they started working from home had this desire to work more to prove that they were actually being productive mm, and doing something and showing mm. that they could be productive and mm. this could work long term mm. as well, which created some negatives around it. But, you know, we, we needed to get over that idea of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Um, after that, you can move into a hybrid arrangement. So that's where you have some of your staff working from home some of the time, but you've got an idea that they must be in the office at some of the time as well. From there, you move into what I call a, a semi-distributed, which is you might have some office space and you're holding it purposefully for socialising purposes. It's not a requirement that people have got to come in. It's more about, you know, we have this office, it's there if you need it. And then moving on from there, you just don't have office space at all. That's kind of the top of the pyramid where you're all working remotely in, in the way that suits you from the location that suits you. A fully distributed home force. So we're yeah. talking through Joe's six-part framework. And the first part is the R of remote, and that's remember your vision. And that's where it's really important that we look at the hierarchy of, of the way we can work. It starts at the very bottom, which is co-located. That's the old style where we all go into the office every day, no questions asked. That's the way things are. Very 2019. The next point is ad hoc work from home. That's where you sort of work from home. If Telstra's coming and you've got to be at home or you've got a special piece of work, then there's the hybrid home force. Now, this is where a lot of organizations have fell to, I reckon, Joe, where they've said, okay, we can't ignore the fact that we work from home pretty successfully for the last two and a bit years. People are really liking it. They've seen the benefits, but we've still got all this office space. So how about this? You've got to come in half the time. And I've heard that in a number of organizations that I have relationships with. And that seems to be pretty standard where they kind of want to see you some of the time, but they get that you're going to want to work from home part of the time. Do you think that that's where people will end up or is this sort of a phase in the evolution? I think that's the easy out. Mm -hmm. it's, it is a soft option, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really soft option. Mm. It's the idea that, okay, our people are telling us that they want to work from home. Well, we're not really sure about it. So we're just going to have some requirements to, you know, be in the office 60% of the time. So, so we're they seeing, still know who's boss. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, and it's how people are implementing it too in terms of you still got to apply for it or some people are saying it's a blanket requirement. Some people are saying there's certain days you have to be in the office because we want everyone in there on a certain day. So, you know, people are taking a different approach to that hybrid middle ground. Mm. And is it okay that that's where organisations are at? Big, traditional, conservative organisations that would never have got here to where we are without the pandemic. And as you said in your book, it's it's fast forwarded, you know, this by years. This this has progressed and evolved years faster than it otherwise would have. You you mentioned in the book, it's the greatest change in a hundred years to the workplace. So is it okay that that's where these organisations are, and they might evolve further? Uh, with new generations of employees, with new leaders, with leaders who rise to positions of authority, who were part of the workforce in 2020, do you think they'll evolve slowly and it's okay for where they are? Or do you see it as a fence sitting neither here nor there option? I do think it's okay for where we are right now. I mean, Mm. we're only just coming out of the pandemic. You know, people are still adjusting. But what I think really, is that this concept of work from home and flexible working is the thing that most people are looking at right now. But the bigger issue is a general wellness issue Mm. about the workplace. Mm. And the easy one to deal with right now is flexible working and, you know, can you work from home every now and then? But I think some of these bigger organisations and the demands and pressures that we put in on our teams and workplaces I think they we're just starting to knock on the door of that and employees are going to start putting back more pressure and saying we just want a nicer place to work. And I think the conversation and the change will continue from here. Do you want team and leadership development programs that actually work? Contact Team Guru today so we can start the conversation. Right, so we're talking through the hybrid. We've gone from co-located ad hoc work from home. We've just had a big chat about the hybrid home force. Mm. And now the next stage is a semi-distributed home force. And that's where you have an office for team days, people to come if they want, maybe meetings with clients, whatever that might be. But no one is obliged to be there. You can work from home all the time if you like. And then the top of the pops at the top of the triangle is a fully distributed home force. Incidentally, that's what you've always had in your business and you started your business before COVID. I did. And I can tell you that the interesting thing that's happened for us in 2022 is that we've gone from the top of the pyramid one step down. Oh, what have so, you done? <laughs> we decided this year yeah, well, that- You're in an office right now. I should have I, picked I up am. on that. I am with my, well, you could have thought it was, you know, my interesting home style, but it's great blinds. <laughs> so I decided this year to experiment because I wanted to personally experience, as I have done for the last six years, what my clients are going through. So I've done six years of fully remote with my team. There's six of us. And this year I said, all right, let's experiment. Let's take an office space. You can all come in when you want, or you can work from home. There's no set days. There's no set hours. There's none of those things. You can just decide. And so just today, one of my team members said to me, I think I might start coming in once a month. And I said, that's great. Let us know when you want to come in. Once a month. Once a month. That's cute. 
Hey, yeah, you know, as I was preparing for this interview, I was reading your book on a bus yesterday, actually, which is really classy. And I was just sitting there reflecting, you know, thinking back at my time in different roles. I was a management consultant for a while, so I worked for lots of different clients, did lots of different things. And I sort of look back with a quaint kind of cuteness about some of those things where I used to go into an office for no reason. It was just pre-2020 and no one would ever have been okay to pay me as a consultant to sit home and work and do my work. As the number of times I went to client sites where no one knew who I was, I was just doing one little bespoke piece of work for a senior leader somewhere in the organization, and I would go and sit at a desk at a client office, and that somehow made everyone happy. And I didn't even question it. I just It was just normal. I mean, it felt weird to be the odd guy that no one knew sitting in a, in a cubicle somewhere. But the idea of doing that work from home was so foreign. But now, that it's just a different world. It's incredible. All right, one, of, now. One, of, one of the things I do love saying to my clients when they tell me that that whole thing of, you know, ask the question, well, how do I know if they're really working is, well, how did you know if they were really working when they yeah. were sitting in the office next yeah. door to you? You know, they Googling weren't. Stuff. They were on Facebook and Google. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now you are talking through your six-part framework. We're up to the first one, R, yeah. because it's a remote. It says remote, which is an acrostic of some type. Now what is next? R-O. What's the O stand for? So. No, we're going to go to E after R, remote. Oh, my God. Okay, re- <laughs> delete. We're going to delete that, Joe, and record again. No, we're not really. We can um, we can show me up for the idiot I man. Gives me a chance, though, to remind everyone that the R was for remember your vision. Yeah, exactly. So that was the purpose behind that journey discussion we just had, which was to decide, you know, where do you yeah, want to be on that do. journey? Do you want to be in the middle, the top? Where do you want to be? Yeah, okay. I'm going to get us stuck there again. Is it okay for someone who's listening to this, who's a senior leader in a large organization that they know is conservative, they're not the ultimate decision maker, then they don't get to decide, and their or big wig organization from head office in London or in Perth or wherever has said, no, they've got to be in the office half the time, end of email. So they're now thinking, okay, that's my vision. I've got to adopt that as my vision and make this work for my team. Because honestly, that's the position a lot of our listeners are in. They're not the ultimate decision makers. Mm -hmm. They're ambitious, thorough leaders in large organizations a lot of the time who are just trying to be that middleman between the Mm -hmm. senior leaders' decisions and the team that they lead. Mm. And I think that's true. You know, they're adopting that vision. And so they're, they're empowered now to make that work mm. for that team. Yep. And so it's thinking through all of these next steps, how do I make that really work for my team? All right. Now, E does follow R and remote, Joe. just so it you does. know. <laughs> so we want to establish the role. So this is where we're, we're really looking at, well, what is my organisational structure? Who do I have working for me? more to the point, what roles are there in the structure? We're going to leave aside the actual individual people, the real people, and just think about their roles and assess the remotability of those roles. So, you know, we might have, you know, one of the ones that keeps coming up is the receptionist. Oh, the receptionist has to be in the office. And so I always like to challenge people with that one and say, well, really, what do they do in their reception role? And, you know, we having a lot less client meetings these days do you really need a real life person to be at the desk? You know, another example might be someone who, you know, works in the mail room. You know, do you really need to have that person walking around and doing deliveries of things? You know, there's some that I say are pretty obvious that are just not remotable at the moment. Driving Pilots, a driving a truck, care workers who need to be physically there with their clients. But there are a lot of roles that when we really drill down into the individual tasks that they do, 
some of those tasks don't have to be on site. And so they can be performed from elsewhere. And it's just about saying, okay, well, 20% of this role is remote or 100% is remote and just work out where they sit on the chart. Great. So establish each role is the E. Remember your vision, establish each role. Tell me about M. So that's where we get into the details. And this is where I think a lot of companies and corporates have sort of got stuck they're looking at this is all the work from home or remote basics. So things like safety at home, you know, how do we make sure people are still being productive in their environments? What tools and resources do we need to give them? Do do we need to buy them desks and chairs and computers? How do we maintain the security and the confidentiality around our business information and any documents that we might have? And what about insurance? You know, do we Mm. need to ensure their home and their workspace. Mm. So it's really those nitty gritty details about setting people up. Do you? Provide insurance. Yeah. If you've got a fully distributed workforce like you do, and like we all did in April 2020, do you have to insure their workforce, their work, their home work site? Well, that's where I would be suggesting that you push it back onto the employees and say that they need to have suitable home and contents insurance for any damage or things that may occur. You need to look into, as a company, if you're providing computers, chairs, et cetera, tools that are going to be in the workplace, what insurance covers that? You know, is is your company insurance sufficient to cover those tools when they're outside of your central location? Or do you need to make sure that they're covered under the employee's insurance? All right. I like that. Push it back. And, and you know, that's part of the, the, the give and take of this as well. You know, and, and as if I was an employee, I'd be more than happy to take on that responsibility. Sure. I get the flexibility of working from home X number of days a week. Of course, I'll take care of the, the insurance bit at my end. I like yeah. that. That was M for manage the details, by the way. What is the O? The O is about organizing the team. So that's when we actually start thinking about the individual people in those roles you know, you might assess a role as being 100% remotable, but then is the person in that role actually wanting or liking being remote? That's a whole separate question. And I think what often happens is that people mix the two up. Mm. So they look at the person, they're not the role, but you've got to separate them out. You know, it might be that someone has a a roommate or a, a housemate, you know, you share the house with somebody else. So if that person is already working from home, is there another location so that the two can work from home together? Does that allow for confidentiality? Maybe there's not enough set up in the home. Maybe there's kids at home. That's one that we hear about all the time. So, you know, just what are the personal circumstances and the personality profile too? You know, some people, extroverts that just have to be around other people all the time. As you said that, I was thinking about someone I have worked with previously who liked being at home just because it was easy, but you could see the longer they were at home, the kind of lower and gloomier they would get. And then it became a self-fulfilling kind of vicious cycle because then it was hard for them to leave the home because they were feeling low and gloomy. So even when the organization was saying, okay, you've got to come in two or three days a week, they just couldn't make it happen. But I knew by knowing them, they needed to. That was part of their personality and as leaders, we need to be tuned in to those kind of things with the people who are around us. All right. Now, at this point, what do you say, Joe, when people say to you, and you hinted at it before, how do I know people are being productive? How can I manage them this closely when they're working from home? What's your response to that? 
So part of that organising your team and linking back to the establishing each role and the managing the details is you need an agreement in place with that individual. So I always say to, to businesses that I work with is that there's three essential documents that you've got to have. The first one is some kind of job description where you're setting out the cap- the performance criteria of the role. There's got to be a contract of employment that talks about, you know, the core expectations of the employment relationship. And there's got to be an arrangement in terms of behaviours and the work from home conditions. So your contract of employment, and, and, you know, this has just came up for me the other day, you know, the contract says you are required to work at, you know, 140 St. George's Terrace in Perth, but you've been working at home for however long. Now we're wanting people to come back into the office. How do we handle that? And it's like, well, the contract is what they entered into and that's what the agreement was. If you've entered into a variation to that, if you've made a, a, a temporary arrangement or a trial arrangement, then that's a separate piece that should have been, you know, documented so that those expectations were set. If you've got them set and you know what those expectations are, then you can track your outcome. So it's about being able to say, all right, well, the expectations are that you, you do these things, that you do the, these are your deliverables, they're to be achieved by certain times at certain standards. Are you meeting them? You know, are you satisfying the client needs or the internal client needs and meeting those expectations? It's no different to someone sitting in the office who Mm, has the requirement to deliver work. I spoke to someone very wise on the podcast a while ago. I can't remember their name now, which is terrible. And they just said really succinctly that what the work from home thing has done is just amplify qualities of leadership. If you were already a fabulous leader and you engage with your people, your communication of vision was really strong, you were great at developing, you were great at checking in and working on stuff together, then working from home worked for you. You just amplified those things. But if you were someone who wasn't really clear on things, you can chop and change priorities, you can leave it for ages before you check in and then jump down people's throats, then working from home just amplified that as well. And for me, that really resonated nicely, that amplification of what's already happening. Now, there are, at a tactical level, some different things that you need to do as a leader of a distributed workforce because you don't bump into people in the corridor. Yes. You can't just go and stand next to their desk and have a have a chat that might evolve into a work conversation. So tactically, at a sort of a doing level, there are some things that you have to do differently. But philosophically, leadership is still the same and it's mm-hmm. it, it doesn't change. And I love the idea of it just amplifying what sort of a leader we already were going into March 2020. Hey, Joe, I'm going to have a good old-fashioned whinge here. You know, one of the things I've noticed, and I've talked to a number of clients who have noticed the same things, what behavior changed in Teams meetings? You know, the, the you know for a start, I suspect we're having more meetings than we ever had before because people are looking to replace that contact and the only way they can do it effectively is to, they think, is to jam a meeting into people's calendars. So that's not my real gripe. This is my real gripe. People have decided, and this is across multiple organizations I've noticed this, people have decided that it's now all of a sudden okay to sit in a meeting and do other stuff because they're at their desk and they've got monitors open. We didn't ever sit in a meeting in a real room with our laptop open, on our phone, scrolling through stuff. But when you're on a Teams meeting now, you watch people, you can see they're literally looking from screen to screen, doing stuff, barely paying attention to anything. I've been amazed to watch that. And I've advised a number of leaders to 
pull that into line, to be really yes. explicit about that because you're letting it slide. The behavior is awful and mm. the quality of communication is suffering aligned with how poor that behavior is. But like so many difficult conversations in leadership, that's a really difficult thing for some leaders to pull up. I've got a, a guy who uh, who I've worked with for a long period of time. Hello, Rowdy. I know you listen sometimes. And he created this thing with his team called Jazz Hands. They had to show each other <laughs> that they weren't doing anything else. He wanted eye contact in the camera and he wanted from time to time to see their hands. And if someone was suspected of doing other stuff, looking through their emails or reading a document, anyone was okay to call them and say, hey, Joe, jazz hands. And you'd have to put your hands up and show them that your hand is not on your mouse. You are engaged in this conversation. I really like that. That's cute. And it's it's done in a way to make it cute so mm. that it doesn't look like you're being told off and mm. too school, you know, teacher-ish, which I think is the challenge mm. in is. any work environment it, that you it, don't in, want to In be. lots of elements of leadership. Absolutely. I like what you said then about, you know, that culture around the how are we supposed to behave? Mm. And that's the other thing I always say to everyone is have some sort of code of conduct, some behavioral standards, you know, have your values of your organization so that people can understand what that looks like. So, you know, if you've got a respect value, then respect would be that I respect your time so that I'm going to pay attention to you on screen. I'm not going to be doing something else. I'm going to be listening and engaging fully in that meeting so that everybody's time is valued. Yeah, it's amazing to me. And I hope if you're listening to this and you and I what I just said resonates with you, pull people up on it tomorrow. Do it in your next meeting because it is killing your comms. It is killing people's understanding and their ability to collaborate. All right. So remember your vision, establish each role, assess the remote ability of those roles, manage the detail, organize your team. We're up to T. Yeah, which is training and supervision, which is effectively what we actually just talked about. So that is really talking about the need to train and support not only the employees that are working remotely, but more importantly, in my view, as you just said, the managers and the people who are leading the teams, because leading a team is hard at any time. But when you add in a remote element, it changes things and you need to be able to to adapt to that. And I think that I can only agree with you in terms of amplification. If you were a not so great manager before, Adding in remote is going to mean that you're probably a bit worse than they you were. They don't listen to this podcast, Joe. <laughs> well, hopefully everyone is constantly improving. That's what we like to say. And lucky last E. So that's evaluation. So it's all about evaluating our result and it links you all the way back to the beginning. What were you trying to achieve? What was that vision? Have you got it or not? And how are you going to measure it? So like we're going to measure the productivity of individuals at home, how are we actually going to measure where you sit on this hierarchy to determine if that's the right place for you? I love it. I love the idea and I was so pleased to see your framework end that way. We've got to measure stuff. Give us an idea. Give us some some real practical insight. What's a good way to measure remote working effectiveness or distributed team effectiveness? What things have you stumbled across that you really like? think that you've got to look at what your, again, your key things were. So, you know, is it financial for you? Like, are you trying to save money by having a remote mm. team? So What's have you saved, yeah, have you saved money on the, on the rent mm. or, you know, paying for parking bays in the office or have you actually found that your employees are more productive and you've, you're turning over more, your revenue's higher as a result. So looking at that, that's, you know, pretty straightforward looking at the finances. From an employee's perspective, 
I think it's about, you know, their satisfaction and their engagement. And, you know, people have love-hate relationships with employees, engagement surveys. So, you know, I, I won't say whether I that's the do it thing you must do, but I think there is benefit in that. You know, we need to have take the pulse as such. You know, we need to be checking in and making sure it's still working holistically and for individuals. Joe, I love your hierarchy. I love the way you articulated those things that I already loosely understood, but you put them so neatly together for me. And I love your framework. We love a good framework here on the Team Guru podcast because it gives us a way to organize the way we think. It gives us a framework uh, we can operate within. And that is so important with something like this. All right. So people are listening to you on this podcast. They've got these challenges. They want to do better. They want to run a successful team, whether it's a hybrid model or distributed or ad hoc work from home, heaven forbid, whatever it might be. They want to be awesome at running this team. You've just given us a whole bunch of advice. Leave us with your three best nuggets of gold that we can remember tomorrow and next week. First thing is that there's no one size fits all. There's no magic bullet. There's no, this is the best way to do it. It really is an, an individual business decision and an individual individual's decision to decide really what's going to suit them. And I think everyone should be happy with that. Just be comfortable in what you are and own it. Because if you can really know and understand that, you will have the best chance of implementing it well. Secondly, I would say set your expectations. I can never say that enough. I think that is where all relationships break down is where we haven't clearly set our expectations. So the business, what does the business expect of the employee and vice versa? And the third point, I would say having the ability to iterate. So checking in, consulting with each other, taking that pulse making sure that what you put in place three months ago is actually still working now. And, you know, you don't want to wait a year because that's what we see happen in a lot of businesses. Let's do an engagement survey and then come back and check it in 12 months. It's too long. You know, if someone's not happy working from home, they're going to, you know, either be suffering during that 12 months or they're going to have left and you won't even really know why and what happened. So check in on a much more regular basis. That is fantastic. Joe Alilovich, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I love talking about the future of work and you've summed it up so nicely for us. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure. And that was Joe Alilovich. I loved it. And as I said in the intro, it is a topic of our time, perhaps the topic of our time. Remember that catchy six-part remote framework. R is remember your vision. What sort of team are you trying to create here? Be deliberate. E, establish the role. Assess the remote ability of each role. M, manage the details. O, organize your team. T is for training and support, and E, of course, evaluate the results. And Joe's three nuggets of gold. Number one, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to this. Number two, set your expectations for the business and the employee. And number three, have the ability to iterate. Take the pulse and adapt regularly. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Joe on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru 
forward slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud or LinkedIn and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.